This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Next month, Sacred Reich will release their first new album in 23 years, Awakening, via Metal Blade Records. Awakening is a timeless collection comprised of blistering thrash, crushing grooves, killer solos, and socially conscious lyrics that demonstrate a true understanding of everything that matters most in the world today. It also features the return of Dave McLean, who managed a drum throne from 91 to 97, and the addition of 22-year-old Joey Radsville playing guitar alongside original member guitarist Willie Arnett and vocalist bassist Phil Rind are integral facets of the record. Pre-order your copy now at MetalBlade.com slash Sacred Reich. One more time, the new album by Sacred Reich, Awakening. Go to MetalBlade.com slash Sacred Reich today. This show is sponsored by Rockabilia. Need to stock up on some of your favorite band's merch? Go to Rockabilia.com and put some on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 10% off with the code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% today. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petr Speich, and I'm always joined by... Hola, mi amigos. Mi llamo Brandon Hahn. You could follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mr. Han Comedy. And this week, Jocelyn Sharp is still on the road doing comedy, but make sure you guys follow her at Jocelyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to get a hold of me, at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, we are here to promote Hank Von Hell, his first North American tour. It is starting this August 6th, and it's running all the way to September. So make sure here in North America you guys check out those dates. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the new record, Egomania. It came out a little while ago. But as always, before that, we are going to go into the Metal Sucks News. Yes. First news story. We have to talk about it. It's a visual story, so it's very difficult to talk about unless you guys have actually gone to the website and checked out the post. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you guys pause real quick, go to the website, and then this will make more sense. For the you. website he's talking about is metalsucks.net. That's a, if yeah. you don't know that, yeah. <laughs> So, go. And we're back. All right, guys. The 20 worst modern metal videos of all time. This list that Axel put together made my fucking day. Right? I mean, right off the bat. mm, Right right off the bat. Number 20, right off the bat, was so great. It was like a bunch of kids. Yeah, I felt bad for the kid ones. There's like three or four kid ones. I'm like, oh, Jesus. You know, like mom or dad is filming and editing those. Dude. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like mom and dad are filming. But the thing is, is they're writing a song called Do or Die. And yeah. it's about them going out, just leaving their parents' house. And it's like, you're willing to do or die? That's that's the vernacular you're going to use? I, I, um, I You're willing to die to get out of your parents' house? They're probably good kids with a little, with a little bit of, uh, you know. What's it called when you uh, mess with your hair? What's it called? Uh, moose. 
can't know. Hair dye. Oh, they're, yeah. They're yeah. probably good kids with hair dye, and they're like, we're edgy. Dude, our, honestly. We have no. a purple streak in our hair. I'm sorry, man. It's been too long. I, the pink hair, the blue hair, the purple hair, it's not punk rock anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't look like, you don't uh, look hey, metal hey, hey, anymore. Hey, hey. I, I think because you're older and cynical, you can say that, but hey, kids out there, keep dyeing your hair blue because you're only going to get to do that for like two years of your life before you have to be an adult. Right, yeah. So I promote it. Okay, but between the years of 16 a, and 18, dye your hair blue. After 18, that's you basically saying, I never want to be a manager. I, I think millennials uh, are a little bit longer now because they start later in life, so go ahead till 28. After 28, think about it or be a fun bartender. That's all I got. So, <laughs> but don't make a This video. guy can flare. Don't make a video uh, for do or die or be in a band. There's a lot of, you know what? I'm sorry being negative. Dye your hair blue. There's plenty of professions out there. Uh, Manager at certain establishments. Like Chili's? Yeah. No, probably not. Well, Chili's? What? No. Record store? Back to the videos. Tattoo shop? There you go. All those work. Back to the videos. So the ones that like on here, number one, two, and three, I guess we should touch on. If you guys, and we know you paused the show. We know you went and saw the videos on the site. So we know you know what we're talking about at this point. But number three is this guy with a tattooed face. Solitary Son was his name, if you guys haven't seen the video. And um, I think I've read about this guy before. I feel like I've, I've known about this cat, and I think that he passed away. I could be mixing him up with somebody else, but I don't know many guys with full-blown tattoos on their face. And it's not just a tattoo on his face. No. It's like his whole face is tattooed. Yeah. His I, whole face. I think, I, think it, I think his story turns out sad. If I'm thinking about the right guy. So, Wait a minute. Um, you mean to tell me that somebody tattooed their whole face? It didn't turn out too well for him? God, I, I should maybe even look it up. But I thought he killed some poor girl and himself or something. It was like sad, sad. Yikes. Yeah, anyways. Um, but what? besides leaving that horrible thing, if that's, this is the cat that did that, um, this video is him in the beach in the ocean getting hit by waves playing at a guitar. And uh, it's, man, man. It, just starting off with a tattooed face. Just starting off with great. a tattooed face, I'm like, you got me hooked. Now he's going into the ocean and he's playing guitar with, and it's not even plugged into an amp. And it's, I mean, obviously he'd die if it was plugged into an amp. Some of the other videos, guys. Number two is my favorite. I think it beats the Chris Holmes one. This, this band Shout, uh, Sell Your Soul to the Devil, is easily my favorite video on this thing because it is. I don't know, man. Like he he went he took like three guitar lessons. He put a song together, and then he virtually like you can see like all the makeup and, he, and effort he put into there was was legit shit for this one shot. And the the thing is, is that the camera never moves, so I know he did the video himself. There was nobody there helping him. He just did this and said, "Fuck it, let's put it out there." But you and, know and, what? And it survived all the way till now. And it survived all the way till now, but you know what? I got to give him credit. Hey, he put it out there. Yes. And I got to but my deal is though is like with these videos that we're watching, it's like it's so confusing because some of them are so bad mm-hmm. that you're like, "Us making fun of them, is that exactly what they wanted?" No, I think that they believed in him. But I'll tell you right now, if we try to mimic, you can't make a video as bad as that number one video, that Chris Holmes video, without thinking it was okay. Like, if we try to mimic and make fun of that, it wouldn't be funny. Because it's obviously that we're trying to, like, take a, a... You have to think you're doing something great and then put something like that out there. That's part of the appeal with these horrible movies or videos is that, like, there's a, there's a team that believes in this product. And then that's what happens. And then they, they have to compromise in their head and be like, yeah, I guess all right. I guess, I, like, for example, you and I grew up when, in the 80s when mm. lots of the worst movies, and these, you know exactly what you were talking Jesus. about, movies that were taken now, seriously. they're considered great, though. They're not, they're not bad. Like, if you look at movies 
No, today, I'm talking about movies man. like Cobra and Over oh, the Top. Oh. You know, movies like that that were cons- that people actually put a lot of work in, and they mm. sat back and screened and go, "Good job, guys!" Like now you watch it and you're like, "This is the worst movie." Ever. Those are all box office successes too. So it's like uh, I don't know. We we, we movies. Oh, none of that's really changed. I think we're all kind of on the same scale of bad movies, but bad music videos are going to be easier to acquire these days because there isn't a budget for that on any band. And quite frankly, like the people that say they can do videography, I mean, you can knock on some sort of, yeah, I could pull that off. And then you get something like, you get something like that solitary sun video who I think also shot the thing by himself, you know? I yeah, think probably. a lot of the bad videos is like someone set up a camera and just stood in front of it and was like, didn't ask anybody for help and just kind of like edit it on like some sort of iMovie or something. That's what I think a lot of those videos are. I don't know if I could totally let myself go with like a whole crew of people watching me. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially when the dude in the ocean, like he's really trying to tug on your heartstrings when he's singing his words. There's one band on here, and the, I think they were called Liar Liar, and this was hilarious, but the song was called Paranoiac or something. I it's, thought it was going to be called Pants on Fire. Paranoia and Maniac like put together. They try to do a word, and dude, they're virtually like, they, they do the Linkin Park thing. They do the Devil Wears Prada thing. They do like every, like seven or eight bands, but when the when the dude with the, the handsome scowl and the good jawline starts to sing, it break. it's so funny, bro. It's so funny. You're like, what? who is this? I think he's a guitar player. Oh, man. And you know they took it seriously. And they found a location where there was a bunch of graffiti behind them. They're like, they're like, this is going to be great. And that was like a massive fail. Those are the ones I really like. Like the Virgin Steel one on there. Really like, no, they thought this was legit. But that's every single one of them on the list, though. They nah, all thought it was there's, legit. There's some young. There's kids. some. There, there's I some think, young kids on there that you're like, yeah, they just okay. Don't the know young better. kids, the young yeah. kids don't know better. But again, like the number one overall video that oh, it was we Chris saw, Holmes. yeah, yeah, Chris Holmes. It <laughs> he was <knows> better. <laughs> it was. Uh, but the thing is, is like the bass player totally stole the show. And yes. there's a part where there's a part. This is how weird it is. So you got the bass player and the drummer, and they're like green screened behind Chris Holmes, and all of a sudden this lady comes out of nowhere. <laughs> And she's just kind of standing around. And meanwhile, the the bass player, again, he's on green screen. It's not like this is really happening in real time. He's like air humping her and just like it was doing all, all this it was wild all, stuff. It was all one take, I think. That yeah. If you watch it, it looks like somebody put a green screen up because they had a fake drum set and the dude was sitting on like a, a painter stand and he was pretending to play drums. But that's what I'm getting at. It's like there's no way they were like, all right, we're going to go. We're going to put money for nothing out. You know, it's not like they're going to put out Thriller. Yeah. You know, you know, they, they knew this was going to get laughs. They're had to have been there has to be i don't believe it i believe they thought it was good everybody i don't think any of the people that put that out there thought those were comical i think they all thought they were legit because that's the one thing though see that's the thing you and i are holding on to the fact that we hoped it was legit because if they put it out for comedic purposes it would kill the funny it would kill the funny so make sure you guys go check out that post and spend the time to watch those 20 videos i don't think one of them weren't hilarious but i mean as you go down the hilarious factor definitely rises so moving on to the next story uh real quick i want to touch base uh the mudvayne uh reunion more talks again we've talked about it a lot i feel on this show at this point yeah but um well like i said i did an interview with chad uh like maybe two years ago mm-hmm. and i brought it up i was like so is mudvay broken up and he would not say they were broken up yeah it's, it's the same he thing. Uh, he always yeah. he always he always kind of shirks the question you know and, and doesn't want to say that they're broken up but obviously they haven't been on stage together in a long time mudvayne bassist ryan martini he said kind of the same thing where he's like there's always talk and it it's this and that but they never come together in a room i think that no matter what maybe 
I don't think at any point if they reunite, the reunion is going to be bigger or smaller. I just feel they're one of those bands that are always going to garner an audience. When you think about something like the Static X reunion, which I think is working, um, and people are showing up to that, Mudvayne is much bigger than that. The reunited, the songs I think are a lot more in the... I mean, dude, early Mudvayne was yeah. incredible. I think a lot of people still listen to those tracks. So I don't know, man. It's It's got to happen eventually, but I always... Just from the way they they kind of the members are, I feel like they're just waiting. When it comes back, it's like not just a tour; it's like album tour. We're back on the thing, and all four of them maybe don't want to get together because it doesn't seem like there's got to be that much bad blood. But you never know, man. You never know with these things. The the only one that's really ridiculous that people talk about all the time is the Skid Row one with Sebastian Bach and those guys. That one makes no sense. They just seem to hate each other. But it's it's also like kids, and they're like six year olds, you know? right? Yeah. Well, it's just bury the hatchet. But at the same time, though, I mean, with the whole Skid Row thing, look how long it took Guns N' Roses to finally go, hey, let's get back together and make lots and lots and lots of money. Yeah, and I feel like that's a different level or scale because Axl Rose was making lots of money without the guys, you know? True. And the other guys were making lots of money. But then when Slash and Duff joined the band again, I mean, it was like, boom. I mean, they exploded. So, yeah, Mudvayne Reunion, I want it to happen don't know what's holding it up, but I never. I I guarantee it will happen one day. And a new record. I feel like they're going to be an active band again. I think eventually. so. And, yeah. and Chad's not the kind of guy that stand to stand still. And yeah. we and again, we don't know how hell yeah is going to continue. Well, we they, don't know if they're going to put out more music. This last record, they're going to continue on. And well, I know they're going to the continue on a years, tour. Yeah. After that, you're completely right. Next story, uh, we never really get into the uh, back and forth nonsense, but I I find it amazing how the internet does blow up on little things like, uh, I guess, going back to last week, there was a story where Justin Bieber is a big fan of Tool, and he put some lyrics on from one of their worst songs ever, The Pot, which shows that he is a huge fan on whatever, some sort of social media platform, and it got to Maynard James Keenan's attention, and he just wrote the words, Bummer. Which to me is just him trolling and being like, "Ha, whatever." I don't, I don't really care who my fans are. I didn't really read too much into that six-letter word, but people were like, kind of all upset. And then uh, Justin Bieber's current wife Haley then called him childish and sad for uh, childish and sad for you know pretty much knocking his one of his fans. Do you think Manor Jane Keenan gives a shit and he just did, did just said bummer because he thought it was like shrugs his shoulders, or do you think he actually gives a shit if Justin Bieber's his fan? Uh, yeah, I think he does. I think he, again, I think his whole demeanor, his whole mystique has been the guy who doesn't want to be part of the mainstream. And then when the mainstream likes him, he's like, oh, you weren't what I was going for. Well, you can't control that, Maynard. I mean, look, I'm not a Justin Bieber fan by any means of the of, of the word fan. I can't stand any of his music. But come on, man. I mean, it's like just because your music inspired someone to make something crappy. I mean, it's not like your music inspired someone to go shoot up a school. Then you have a reason to say bummer, you know, to go out there and put out a song where he teams up with Drake. I mean, come on, Maynard. Who gives a damn? I kind of feel like who cares if you said bummer? Like, okay, this guy that, you know, obviously is not someone I want to influence listens to my music, but like, yeah, bummer, who cares? Bummer is not a, a term. Again, I don't read text messages and emails as prominently as other people. I just kind of roll through them and move on. But that's not something that I would even elicit a reaction from. Well, my thing is, you know? is if you're Maynard James Keaton, why would you even give it a, a reaction? You're only giving it a reaction so your fans will be like, yeah, Maynard, you're still one of us. You hate Bieber too. Yeah, That's uh, pretty much it. To me, it's just kind of like, bro, grow up. Uh, this is what uh, Justin Bieber's wife said. Uh, 
he expressed he was a fan of your music, grew up listening to your music. You must be unhappy with yourself that you want to make people feel small and express their admiration for you. Very childish and hurtful thing to do. I hope you find security within yourself. Sad place to be. That response is so over the top. Yeah. There was no, there was no need for her to even give one. But again, she's yeah. trying to stand up for her man, I guess. I mean. And yeah, dude, I'm on Maynard's side. Who gives a fuck? All I'm saying is, is if he reposts the lyrics and they're like, let me give this guy a shot. Now, all of a sudden, you know, he's garnering more fans. He's changing more lives. I mean, you can't you can't help who your fans are going to be. And you can't can't. help. You can't help what your music will do for those fans. You're right. And you should respect them always. You're right. I guess I'm I'm on the fence with it. I just, Again, I think it got blown up out of proportion. It, that's the problem. That's the thing with guys like Maynard and Keenan. That's the thing with guys like Corey Taylor. That's the thing with anything they say is click for like you know anything. So you can run and just let a story though. And then when you have someone like Haley Bieber, you know, respond, it's like, dude, it becomes this news thing of people just having opinions on it. When in actuality, it is a nothing scenario all the way through well, she's through. alec baldwin's daughter isn't she whatever she's a she's you know she's married to the dude and she's cool i guess but she's defending her husband i'm good with that right you know so um anyways moving on to the next story guys there's a poll on the website that i participated in actually whoa i actually clicked the whoa you clicked yeah is your finger okay mm-hmm. okay Whew. are you excited for rob zombies three from hell brandon Hahn, are you excited for the trilogy that will end here in september or october three from hell no. Nah. I'm not at all. I don't care. Why not? Because I'm well, I'm not really a big Rob Zombie guy. I saw House of a Thousand Corpses. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was way stupid. I didn't see uh Devil's Rejects. I didn't see Devil's Rejects because the first movie was so dumb. All right. I like and and the Halloween movies he directed I thought were dumb. Well, I th- I didn't like either one of those for sure, but I House of a Thousand Corpses was not a great film, but I enjoyed it. And that's the definition of every Rob Zombie movie. Uh, none of them are great, but I enjoyed all of them. I enjoyed 31. I enjoyed... There's none of them that I hated. Devil's Rejects was the only movie that I think like really was well done. And I think the vision was spot on. So I think The Devil's Rejects was an excellent film. But I don't think that story should continue. I think the fact they got killed, spoiler alert, at the last one, obviously they didn't, I guess... It's dumb. It's just like when they. It's just like when they extended Toy Story four. It's like, dude, the no. ending was Toy Story three. Only Brandon for for our listeners. I think you guys know Brandon only watches cartoons. Bullshit. I saw it. That's the one horror movie he's seen in what twenty years. Oh man, it's been a long time. Evil Dead. I mean, we saw Evil Dead uh, the remake. I wouldn't even say that was a horror movie though. Okay, well, it counts technically. I guess. What genre would you put it in, dude? Romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. No I'm more like, movie talk with you. I'm yeah, done with it. I like watch. I go right from You Got Mail to the Evil Dead remake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you, man. Made in Manhattan. I wouldn't call that a horror movie. You're just fucking ridiculous. Well, I, okay. I mean, it's like, I just felt like it was more of an action movie. Like, it was more of a bloody... I th- I felt like it was, would you call... Uh, John Carpenter is like an action horror, action movie director that makes horror movies. So okay, I can see that thing, but... But would bad. you say, okay, like, for example, Dust Till Dawn, is that an action, is that a horror movie or an action movie? Uh, it's a John Carpenter action horror movie. I got you. I got you. But Evil Dead, it does not fall into that category at all. There's violence. Just, oh boy. So uh, next story we want to touch on, guys, is that Metallica. It gets to a point where you've done everything you possibly can. You've played Antarctica. You've done everything. Where the new things you hear of them accomplishing, you're just like, God damn. Like, that's not even a stat that matters, but it does. It's like they're making up new stats that matter. It's adding to their lore. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know how athletes, when it's like that stat is a new stat, but they have no other stat that they can break, so they're making one up. It's and, almost like they're doing death clock shit. 
Yes. At it, this it's point, like it's like almost like cartoonish crazy things just to be like, yeah, we did it just because. And so this this stat that I think is amazing is that one percent of the entire population of Finland went to see the Metallica show that they played here recently on July sixteenth. One percent of the entire country. Fifty five thousand people. So that means there's five million people. Five point five. Five point five million yeah. people in Finland. And one yeah. percent. Could you imagine if one percent of America went and saw a band? Dude, that'd be. Uh, it would be like the whole state of Rhode Justin Island. Bieber. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be Justin Bieber <laughs> with Tool opening up for him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the correct order yeah. if, if they gave a shit. But yeah, that's funny. Um, no, I can't. I can't imagine that. I mean, obviously, our population is way past that. But one percent of an entire land and the and fact the is thing, most of the people that did there's probably a one percent of finland couldn't go because they had kids or that's some what i'm other saying thing i'm getting there's probably another 50 or 40 or 50 percent of them that were just like oh you got tickets how'd you pull that off bro next time metallica's got to go to finland be like we're going for two percent and they got to find some stadium that can hold them dude but i think that's just such a cool stat what like, is the biggest i mean it's like they they've pulled that off and they pulled off over a hundred thousand in like rio Rio, I know Russia, they've, they've done that, but these are like festivals. And uh, again, you have to go to the population, though. But What's Metallica, Metallica could pull that. Yeah, well, Metallica pro- can probably pull 100,000 in the States if there was a place. And it was like, we're only playing here in Woodstock it would have for to the be whole like, year. It would, it, would, it would garner 100,000 people. It would have to be. But it again. Would, it would have to be like a, a football stadium or something like that, like a college football stadium. One, 1% one of, of a population. That's a, that's a different stat. So way to go to Metallica. Way to go Finland. It's just cool to see that. So uh, as always, I love seeing any stats that metal bands get to break. And uh, Metallica actually probably is going to break all of them. We're always going to see stats by them. And Guns N' Roses. So that's the sad truth. It's like Metallica is probably the last great band to do something like this. I don't think anybody will ever be able to reach this milestone. We these in, milestones that they're setting. We will see. We will see. I hope you're right. I, I mean, no, I'm just staying positive. But I agree with you on this. You know who's a huge fan of that band? Mm. Justin Bieber. Mm. Well, if he puts his lyrics up there, I wonder what their response would be like. <laughs> Hooray. What do you mean hooray, bro? They'd get, they'd get the other side of the fence. Sad dot dot dot. I can't believe we're never supporting you again because you said hooray. That's what he'd get. So there's no winning. Just don't respond. Right. That's that's the law of the land. Never respond. Fair enough. That's, that's the way it works. So with that, guys, it's time to jump into our interview right here with Hank Von Hell. Hey, everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Hank Von Hell, and we are here to promote your North American tour, which is starting August 6th out here in Atlanta, and it's going to run all the way until September. Now, is this the first North American tour that you've done for the uh, Egomania record out here in North America? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Of course, I've been touring the U.S. many times with Turbo Negro, but uh, this is the first. Egomania tour at Tank on Hell, yeah. Now, you guys were scheduled to come out here in January, but um, there had to be a postponement, and you actually made up the dates really, really fast, so we as fans really appreciate that you turned that around. But tell us some of the circumstances behind uh, having to cancel the entire tour and getting it back on schedule. Well, yeah, it, 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 it was kind of... Uh, it, it was kind of... Uh, what, what should I say? A weird, a weird chain of events because uh, as 
some of you guys know, uh, I've been uh, not always uh, taking care of myself. And in the 90s, I had some indiscretions uh, related to my my addiction problems. Uh, they were uh, they were uh, of uh, uh, minor minor importance and had never ever been an issue uh uh in in application for uh, work visas earlier uh but the vesting have become much stricter uh uh to uh, to, to some extent so uh, things that didn't matter earlier suddenly mattered a lot even for uh norwegian artists um and uh, usually uh it would have been flying well but uh, this time, my uh, uh, some shit from the past, uh, from the 90s, came up, and then I needed something called a visa waiver through uh, Homeland Security. Uh, usually, that would have taken uh, a zero time, and it would have been fixed. Uh, but the exact date when I got uh, when I got this message from the U.S. Embassy, and they sent the the visa waiver application to Homeland Security. It was a government shutdown in the U.S. Mm. So uh, the visa d- department in itself uh, was uh, was working through uh, the government shutdown, but uh, the parts of Homeland Security that dealt with this were were uh, not uh, working uh, at their full potential. So unfortunately, um, uh, I just had to uh, postpone the whole thing and wait for for the secondary opinion on my work visa from Homeland Security uh, and see what happened. And uh, we were uh, confident that it would work out. Uh, it just was a lot of red tape and and, uh, and some mishaps with with. Uh, U.S. Uh, government, U.S. politics, uh, and uh, and it just uh, uh, just uh, had to be postponed. Well, it did. Wor- I mean, it worked out for us. The the postpone did happen just a couple months later. But it sounds like timing was just absolutely at the wrong time for that for that little mishap to occur. Um, do you find that a lot of times the things that you did in the past like that do kind of sneak up on you, even though you're over them and you forgot them and you're a different person today? Yeah, well, I think everybody on, on planet Earth like uh, have this weird feeling that um, invisible force is setting you up to, to uh, jump from catastrophe to catastrophe. And, uh, of course... Uh, it's a catch twenty two. When uh, if you're into punk rock, then pull in out of shit like that. Uh, so uh, personally, I, I, I was not surprised uh, by this surprise. Uh, so I just had to just laugh my demons up in the face. But of course, it sucked to have to tell the fans and the people who bought, bought their tickets that I'm not coming over. Uh, so it became very important to immediately start rescheduling the tour and immediately uh, 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 
signal that this this will work out and and I had full confidence that uh, the US government and immigration authorities would would uh, make it uh, make make the visa available for me so of course uh, shit happens but sometimes you know it happens for the better because the result of of this uh, delay uh, is that we we were able to add 15 dates in the U.S. So we have prolonged the tour, and we will cov- cover more uh, territory and meet a lot of uh, a lot of more fans out there. So uh, it all happened for a reason, and the reason turned out to be good. Now there, you did take years away from the stage. We'll talk about the film acting you did and other things like that. But did you miss the stage when you were doing other projects through the last decade or so? And what is the main reason you decided to return? Yeah, well, uh, to be blunt, you know, uh, there were uh, there were reasons for me uh, uh, retracting from the rock. That that it was just too much for me. Some some things just I, I just had to get that out of my life. But uh, uh, a lot of people think that it was actually playing shows that I that I uh, got fed up with, and that was never the case. So throughout the whole period when I was away from the rock scene, I I uh, always missed. Uh, the kick-ass shows, you know, but uh, uh, meeting meeting the crowd and, and playing loud, sexy, raunchy punk rock, you know. So um, it, it was always uh, in the back of my head that God, I I miss my 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 fans. I miss crowd, um, but you know, uh, a day has twenty four hours, and a show is. Yeah, one and a half hour, uh, two hours. So there were the 22 other hours that I couldn't deal with. Um, when I got the offer from the label to actually do a solo comeback, I could actually make all the other hours uh, the way I wanted it. And it suddenly opened up uh, an opportunity to, to go back on stage and even though I've been doing theater, movies, and other kinds of uh, genres of music, have uh, had uh, uh, great audiences, uh, my rock crowd has always been like my favorite thing because of because of uh, uh, the amount of, of sexiness. So when I got the offer, I I thought I couldn't turn it down at all, and and I haven't regretted that for a second. So it's great to be back on the rock scene. It's it's awesome, and uh, and I get it. I get my shows exactly how I want them, and the whole setup around it. it it's in my power to to be to master all events. Yeah, dude, for sure. And that is a, a question I was going to ask, as, as you've been very open about your past addictions and how you've gotten healthy through uh, a program, but. That rock and roll lifestyle, t- 
to you, you, did you have to redefine what it meant to you to return before you can actually even attempt it? Or were you always scared in the back of your head that you might fall back into that pattern? Well, you know, uh, there's a myth that, that rock equals addiction and, and, and uh, social and mental problems. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a myth. It's rock does not necessarily uh, result in problems like addiction or, or, uh, or uh, trouble with government, you know. Uh, the, the, there is one big difference between uh, uh, an artist that can, uh, that can uh, play rock and roll sober and, and, and within the frames of survival and the ones who can't, but uh, you will always uh, notice the ones who, who doesn't master uh, the thing because they they usually die, you know. So uh, to be able to have a long career in, in rock and roll, uh, at one point or another, you you will just have to deal with your own demons, you know. And there are so many examples of great artists have been living and havoc of an artist's life uh but instead of dying they got their act together and and uh, made a way to tour and make rock without having to uh to inflict destruction upon their own bodies and, and, and minds you know so of course you have to be aware this is one of the few work places in the world where actually alcohol is part of, of the job, you know. You wouldn't find that in many other uh, uh, branches of work that you can actually go and get drunk uh, as part of the job. Uh, you will always have uh, uh, access to people uh, who have uh, who have uh, different substances available um, but rock and roll is no longer the main scene for for uh, for this this these outgoing parties, you know, with with all the shit, you know. That you'll uh, you'll be more exposed if you go to an electronica concert uh, in a spring break uh, at at Miami Beach, you know, than you would at the average rock and roll. Uh, venue you know yeah the myths about the sex drugs and rock and roll uh is, is slowly uh, becoming uh, exposed as just a myth you know obviously through the generations that has changed but when you were growing up the that lifestyle you think was very much part of the selling part of uh, being a rock star or being in a rock band yeah being kind of uh outside uh, uh, the norms of society, being above the law, mm-hmm. uh, uh, living a life uh, thinking that your shit never smell, uh, having a trail behind you of, of, uh, of uh, people in tears and, and, uh, and, and uh, unwanted uh, uh, pregnancies or VDs, you know. Uh, it it was of course something that attracted me into rock and roll. Being a rock star, I live like like the big shots, you know. Uh, being just some sort of loser with a lot of money and a limo, uh, 
uh, and of course it was way out of a very boring square uh, life of uh, of uh, uh, limited resources, you know, way for a poor poor guy to make it in the world, and also just partying through the whole uh, the whole uh, weird thing called life, you know. But then again, all my uh, uh, all my role models turned out to to uh, to uh, have very difficult lives, you know, and. And now they are telling about how it actually was. So the things I admired and craved and wanted was uh, life situations that were dark, damaging, depressing, and and traumatic for that those rock stars. Um, just to mention, you know, uh, Motley Crue guys, you know, uh, Nicky Six and uh, and his addiction, Ozzy, and uh, it looked really cool from the outside but they were stuck uh, and prisoners of their own lifestyles and i think it's great that they're telling these stories and it needs to be told you know so uh um i uh, i've come to realize that what i craved and wanted and admired was actually very very dark and sad yeah, that's a very good good perception, and it's very true. Um, but for the youth, uh, is do you think it like growing up as a young person? Do you think more? It's like they have to feel power in some situation because we really were powerless till a certain point, and and at that age in rock and roll, at least, or music in general, we can even say today that is a way to get power. Well, yeah, get, empower yourself. You know, rock and roll is about freedom Mm -hmm. and freedom is about uh being being uh able to to choose your own destination you know and and uh uh, in rock and roll there's always been talk about freedom from shit you know freedom from my shitty life freedom from uh, my my asshole step parent beats me up you know Freedom from my drunk mom, freedom from my stupid teachers, you know. And rock and roll was about uh, breaking free from uh, being uh, enslaved by by shit like that. But also for more uh, for more upper class people, freedom from conventions, freedom from uh, uh, society's uh, rules and expectations. So you have a lot of rock and roll. Uh, uh, kids that broke free from from boring uh, upper middle class life, you know, rock and roll uh, had one common uh, denominator, and that was the urge of uh, of being uh, urged to break free and and empower yourself and create your own life. Um, the big problem was, what are you going to do with all that freedom when you when you get it, you know? Uh, and having all this freedom, uh, the kids hadn't really thought through what, what they were going to do with it. Uh, now, I think the coming generations uh, have, uh, have, have become a, a little bit more aware that, that Freedom is pointless if you don't have any purpose with it, you know. Uh, 
and now uh, 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 you have so many choices that you can actually use your freedom to choose between different options and and uh, then rock and roll becomes uh, a true force again because it empowers uh, uh, people to choose and actually being aware what to choose in between you know it's not like that you just use your ch- uh, freedom of choice to, to choose your favorite poison. It's also about choosing your favorite uh, day-to-day uh, lifestyle, choosing your friends, choosing your, uh, yeah, choosing your destiny. And uh, I think rock and roll now is changing because a lot of internal policing have and uniforming have been uh, uh, declining and, and it's, it's, it's not as, uh, as valid anymore uh, and now uh, rock and roll can actually offer a true alternative you know also freedom of, 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 of thought you know you you don't have to to um, uh, fit some frame where you have to have a rock and roll a manifest opinion about everything you, you can actually choose not to give a shit about things uh, that rock and rollers were forced to to care about earlier and vice versa you can care about things that rock and roll was not supposed to give a shit about earlier and it's more about individualism again than it, uh, it was about policing and, and internal social controlling. And that, I think that is great. So you can actually choose uh, whatever you want to do, and you can do that in the name of rock and roll. Suddenly, um, uh, self-empowerment and freedom is back in rock. You know? Yeah, and it, yeah, I like that. That's very true, though. It's very true. I think that there is... Um a generation, I guess, with the way the world is now, like consequences are learned quicker, if we can we can say that. And so there is a, a sense of, yeah. you know, being responsible. I think that comes with learning the consequences quicker. Um, and well, yeah, yeah, we were kind of under-informed, uh, you know. Now mm-hmm. people, maybe it's becoming a problem that people are over overly informed and, and, and misinformed, but uh, that also uh, sharpens uh, uh, your senses because uh, the kids are aware that uh, a certain amount of information they are getting uh, is just uh, fake. Uh, and even worse, sometimes they are flooded with information uh, where 90% of it is uh, irrelevant, then covering up the core of information that you actually need or should have uh it's also a, a, a sort of a, a a weird consequence but that kind of of uh demands that the individual kid you know he, he realizes that he has to make his own choices and the choices he makes uh, will will uh, uh rapidly uh manifest uh, in consequences so uh it, it's actually very interesting uh, to see how suddenly 
the need for rock and roll uh, is back just because of this weird new situation. You know? Now, so back to Egomania then. Um, it, it's been out for about eight months out here. So the video you released for the people who haven't seen it, Bum to Bum, does have Steve-O from uh, Jackass fame out here uh, in the world. Jackass is famous yep. everywhere, obviously. But um, tell us about your relationship with him and how you got him into that video. Well, uh, in the Turbo day, days, you know, we, we met up with the Jackass guys pretty early. Uh, and, uh, and they were huge Turbo Negro fans. Uh, all the way dating back to to uh, when they were uh, an underground skateboard uh, crew that that hadn't gotten their uh, TV show at, at MTV yet, you know. And uh, we uh, we were uh, being used. A turbo song were being used before for Jackass the movie number two. Uh, also, we were guests at uh, the Viva La Bam show. On MTV and and Chris Pontius and, and Steve O used uh, a Turbo Song uh, a score on their Wild Boy, the Wildlife TV show, mm-hmm. and throughout all the time, every time we've been uh, we've been uh, touring the U.S., we've been hooking up with those guys, you know. And uh, uh, when I when I left Turbo Negro, I, I sort of lost touch with a lot of. Uh, the other guys, but uh, Steve-O uh, and me ha- kept in, in contact uh, throughout the whole time when I was away, and, and I met up with him when he was touring, and we've kind of had some sort of special uh, dimension to our friendship due to the fact that we've been struggling with some of the same demons uh, issues. So uh, when I asked just by chance, you know, whether he was interested in coming over and help me uh, launch a, a solo comeback thing, he kind of dropped everything he had, you know, and and flew over and did it to Sweden. And, and we filmed it, and it was uh, a really, a really uh, cool moment where Steve-O actually were the force that made it available for me to do a comeback in rock and roll, you know. So um, later it turned out that some of the other jackass guys, they hadn't heard about the stunt that Steve-O did, and they were mighty insulted that they were not uh, part of it, too. So I know now that um, at least a couple of those guys are, are just waiting for their invitation to to the next video recording so so uh the brotherhood uh between the old punk rockers and the jackass guys is is still very very strong and and the love level of love is is really high nice dude nice yeah now with the video there was an intro as we mentioned with steve-o and he gives you the white hat as you're coming back um to do your thing for anybody that hasn't seen the bum to bum video, make sure you check it out. Was that written ahead of time, or was that kind of catered to the fact that Steve-O was going to get involved in the video? Well, uh, use, using that uh, resurrected in white uh, 
saying has references to to uh, to a lot of stories. You know, just the most uh, known uh, uh, story is, is the Lord of the Rings Gandalf thing. You know, when he when he kind of uh, rapes some sort of black demon for a thousand years and then he comes back in white. You know, uh, so uh, uh, the symbolism was was uh, of course uh, uh, planned from from uh, the very moment uh, we decide I decided to do a combat that I'm going to be resurrected and then in white you know but we needed some sort of of uh, power to, to a magic power that could actually resurrect this old black fat fuck pants, you know and, and get him to to uh, realize his, his his true power and his true nature. So uh, uh, the resurre- uh, resurrection was in white, basically. But the darkness is, is of course, uh, uh, the force we're dealing with. So it was it was um, a, a manifesto more than than a new uh, a new everlasting. Uh, color of of career. (laughs) I just got one more question for you, Hank, but I want to thank you one more time and tell everybody out there, guys, Hank Von Hell is going to be in North America. Make sure you check dates. It's starting August 6th. It's running all the way till September 12th. As we mentioned, there is a second leg that was added um, for this gig. And then um, there was talks a little bit about you putting out a, a solo EP here, um, kind of with that tour. Is that still in the works right now, or or is it? Oh yeah, go yeah, ahead. It's it's still it's still in the pipeline, and and for sure, uh, uh, we had it like as an option if if you know that the tour in August had to be uh, yet again postponed. Uh, it, uh, a, a vinyl EP would have been released at that time, but uh, I'm a man of my word, so it will come a special U.S. edition on on a 12-inch vinyl, and it will also be uh, uh, an, a, a statement there and a way where people can can uh, be, uh, help but benefit uh, uh, cost. Uh, international cost that means a lot to me and that is how how uh, uh, veterans uh, uh, are being treated and how they're being helped after having done their uh, um, overseas services and abroad services. Norwegian troops are also part of international operations together with U.S. troops and, and other European troops and and these young uh, 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 boys and girls are coming home uh, with with some uh, some heavy duty scars uh, on their souls, you know. And and uh, I, I, I'm spending a lot of time uh, focusing and addressing the situation that we need to to uh, show gratitude, but also a lot of patience and and love and help to all veterans that have come home with with uh, a piece of luggage that uh, is really burdening their lives. So uh, I will try to make that uh, 12-inch come within the coming year as a special U.S. edition and 
that will benefit a foundation training dogs uh, uh, to become service dogs for veterans uh, struggling with, with PTSD, uh, you know, that uh, traumatized by, by the war experience. And they have dogs that are trained to, to help them uh, snap out of it when, when uh, their, uh, their thoughts start drifting and they get pictures from, from, uh, from uh, the situations they were involved in in the war. And also they awake, the dogs can sense that they are freaking out or getting anxious. They can also sense that they're having nightmares and, and waking them up and, at night and really helping uh, veterans not being uh, sucked into to, uh, to re-traumatization. And, and, and it's it, it paramount that uh, civili- the civilian society uh, 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 are aware of the situation because these uh, these uh, heroes live among us, and you can't see see it, see it on them. But inside, some of them are really having a hard time, and and they really need our attention, our our support, and and try to prevent uh, uh, tragedies like suicides or or outgoing behavior or or addiction problems or or. Uh, also, uh, the the tragic situation that they risk becoming uh, uh, patients for life. So uh, this will happen. Uh, it will not be released this fall, but this uh, veteran salute of a 12-inch uh, EP will be released, uh, special U edition, uh, U.S. edition for. U.S. veteran, uh, the cost of benefiting U.S. veteran. That's well, it, yeah. that's, a, that's a win-win for us fans. We get new music, and it's going to a great cause, and I guarantee you that we'll be promoting it here on Metal Sucks, I'm sure, as soon as you get a release date. And um, But, dude, that sounds fantastic, and that's really cool that you're putting that together for, for these for this cause and all that, man. So, I just want to encourage, uh, encourage everybody to, to be aware of the veteran situation, uh, go on the internet, find uh, some sort of charity, uh, get involved, you know, and, uh, and care about the vet. It's really, it's really important. So, absolutely, man. Yeah, no, hundred percent, dude. So, with that, I want to welcome you. Be the first one to welcome you coming out to North America. It's going to be a fantastic tour, man. And, and like I said to everybody, starting August sixth in Atlanta. So with that, Hank Von Hell, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, thank you, and and, uh, big love, big hugs to everybody. See you soon.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest record, Egomania. That song is called Bum to Bum. Once again, the new album, Egomania, is out now, guys. So make sure if you haven't heard it or check it out, make sure you do before you jump and see their shows. Once again, his shows will be starting out here in North America, August 6th, running all the way till the end of September. Second song you heard, one of our favorite instrumental guys out there, John Five. His new album, Invasion, is coming out this July 31st, guys. If you haven't seen him live or picked up one of his records, this is definitely the one you want to get. That song is called Zoinks. And with that, I want to thank everybody out there one more time for all the five-star reviews we keep getting on iTunes, all the emails we keep getting. Send them on over, rise to offend at gmail.com. We answer them. We'll talk to you guys back and forth. It's a blast for all three of us. And uh, also make sure to check out our other podcast, Rise to Offend. Um, this week we will be finishing Henry Rollins. And that is all. Next time you guys hear me, I should be a father of a baby boy by the name of Dio. So if you guys don't hear me next week on the podcast, and it's Brandon Joslin, it's because I am, uh, I am. Uh, He's in, cradling his cradling new spawn, new beautiful child that I can't wait to meet and see and uh, be a part of my life. So, all right, guys, until next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.